good Tuesday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com podcast with Jesse Simonton, Rob Lewis, and Austin Price. I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Tuesday of Mississippi State Week. Austin Price has dubbed it for months the biggest game of the year for Tennessee. Is it indeed, Rob Lewis, the biggest game of the year for Tennessee? Well, I, I think it is now. I mean, I don't know that it was. I mean, I, I, I kind of agree with AP, but that was even before they lost to Georgia State. It's even State. bigger now. Yeah, it's even bigger the now. The significance of it is, is much it's way more massive than it was I mean, had they been just trying to get to four and two. Yeah, that's what I was getting ready to say. If it, it, when AP made that comment, he thought they'd be three and two right now, which, you know, if you head to Tuscaloosa, four and two. I mean, you're everything, above 500 everything looks Tuscaloosa. better. Yeah. Every, I mean, everything feels better. It feels different. So, yeah, I mean, this is their last gasp. But if they don't win this one, I don't see – I mean, I, I don't think they're making a bowl game anyway. But if they lose this one this week, I think you can just flush that pipe dream. Big game, obviously. I don't disagree with you at all, at all that, that this game is huge for Tennessee. This is an interesting challenge when you look at Mississippi State. We'll talk more about them throughout the week, but it's a challenge for Tennessee's defense. But the hope at this point in time, Jesse, rest in Tennessee's offense, in particular the arm of number 18, Brian Maurer. Your takeaway from watching the rewatching the game and the review piece and then Jeremy Pruitt's comments on uh, Monday regarding Maurer and kind of the good and the bad of, of the freshman quarterback. Yeah, Rob and I had this in the two-minute kind of right after uh, Pruitt's uh, press conference that probably the most enlightening thing he said was that after kind of, you know, him and Holland on Saturday night, who was going to actually be his starting quarterback moving forward, he came out and said, you know, unless Maurer has a really poor week of practice, he's going to go out there and start. I thought it was also notable that he said that, you know, they – that Maurer is different than Garantano and that they've created a plan to benefit his strengths, which was they did run a lot of RPOs, um, quick decisions, easy windows, and he made, some, he made some throws to start the game, particularly uh, in those first, I would kind of dub it those first 16 minutes, the first quarter and then the first pass, the touchdown pass to Jawan Jennings. He also had two really nice throws on that drive. Uh, that Tennessee ultimately got no points in um, with the missed field goal. And then in the second half, you kind of saw a, a really good defense with, with depth and, and kind of some pass rushers starting to turn loose against two freshman tackles. Their corners started to squat down a little more. They played some more aggressive coverage. Uh, and, and a freshman quarterback struggled. So you kind of saw some highs. You saw some lows. But there was at least hints of hope. Hint, and that's kind of how I put it in my review piece. You know, I, I still think – Personally, this team is, is a mess in a lot of areas, but they're not dead. They're, they might be almost dead, but they're not dead yet. And so can they kind of get up off the mat can they, this can they, weekend? Can they pull an undertaker? Yeah. I mean, you know, you're right. I mean, there's just enough there. You know, and Maurer's kind of that, that – He's what gave them the – he's, I mean, he's the – said it. He gave them the spark. He gave them that energy. Now, how long will it last, I think, is the question. I think all Tennessee fans are holding on to him like there's no tomorrow. Because, I mean, right now on this season – you know, he's the, he's the kind of the, the light that you see that's out there and you're trying to get to it. I mean, you know, is he going to continue to have those mistakes? Yeah, he's a freshman. I mean, you know, but if they continue to game plan, and Jeremy talked about this, game planning for, you know, for Brian versus game planning for JG, and, and you talked about, the, you know, how they are different. Um, you know, I think that they can still have enough success, you know, against some of these teams down the stretch. Now, the question is Saturday, Mississippi State likely – you know, going to play those kids that they can kind of pick and choose when they're suspended because they see this as, a, a, you know, one, they need this win as well because they've already lost a 50-50 game to Kansas State. Next week's LSU. I mean, things get tougher for them. Uh, so they've got to they've got to try to get this win. And they're coming off a of bye week too. Which yeah. 
comfortable. Yeah, I don't think the setup is for Tennessee is a very good setup at all, given the fact that you're coming out of a physical game where you got beat up on the offensive line. Um, you've got a Mississippi State team coming off a bye week. This does not set up particularly well for Tennessee. Back to Maurer specifically, now Bob Shoup has got a full game, a game plan to look at at, at what they did with Maurer, which, he, which Georgia did not have going into that game. What's the next step for Cheney with Maurer moving forward? It, it, it's, it's more than just, hey, he's got to clap louder and he's got to you know give the cadence louder at the line of scrimmage. Those are freshman things to can improve on. But what's the next step? Because State's going to set on RPOs. They're, they're, they're going to jump on some things like Georgia did in the second half. So what's the next step for Well, you, you wonder if, if he gets the lion's share of first-team reps again this week, Rob. Does, does, do you start going under center? Now, I did not actually track this. Uh, and, and maybe I'll actually go back later in this week and, and put it on the board. I didn't count every snap that, that Maurer took in terms of jotting down uh, under center versus in the gun, but he very rarely took the ball under center, and that is clearly a concern with them, but that was some of the, that was some of the stuff that they found successful at times in terms of play action earlier in the season. Uh, <coughs> taking deep shots. They clearly want to take deep shots. They, they, they let Maurer throw the ball 25 yards plus down the field multiple times. But you, it's, 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 you get very predictable if you're in the gun 90% of the snaps. I agree. I mean, the question, to, to me, that's the thing is how, how, how far can it go here? Because the, the game plan, and, and, as, and as fun as Maurer was, 200 yards in the first half and hitting a couple big shots and Look, he threw a great ball. I mean, he threw a great ball uh, to Callaway, who ran a great route that was executed. When, when Coach Pruitt talks about clean football, that was as clean as clean could get on Locklear, all fronts. Locklear with the block, allowing Maurer to climb yeah. the pocket. Yeah. It, it was clean. He throws a great ball to Jennings on the touchdown where only Jennings can, can catch it. But the game plan with Maurer last week, Rob, was very simple. I mean, Jim Cheney's words to uh, the TV people, to the radio guys at the Vol Network on Thursday when he met with them is, hey, we're going we're gonna to chunk it down the yard and see if we can, get, see if we can make a play or two because we don't think we can run it. This is, a, this is a different approach. This is, quote, a winnable game, whereas last week was not nearly as thought of as a winnable game. Nobody expected anything. So how do you change offensively? Because you've got to coach this one – differently you're coaching this one to win you're not coaching this one just to chunk it down the yard and hope i mean i, I think you got to be really careful about you know making the package too big because i mean i, I and, and i mean i i think to me i mean jim cheney makes a lot more money than i do to call plays but i i mean i kind of maybe tweak what they did last week but more refine it more get him more comfortable with it and jeremy didn't elaborate but i thought it's pretty clear that you know mauer they, they limited mauer's Responsibilities, his, you know, one or two reads, get the ball out, and and to his credit, he excelled at it. Now, I think Georgia caught on to that in the second half. He also pointed out that if had he held on to it a fraction longer at times, instead of being so quick to get out of it, that maybe some more things would have opened up. But it was quick to also point out, hey, we're happy with him just getting it out. Man, but after the quarterback play we've seen for the last two plus years, I'm, I'm I would prefer to see the guy err on the side of getting it out quicker than yeah, keeping there and tapping it three but, or four but, times. But, Bob, you bring up a great point. How much can you grow with him in a week? We're it, I mean, well, part of it is just getting help, though. I mean, like, I mean, and I wrote this, I wrote this on Sunday in the review piece. Tennessee ranks last in the SEC in yards per carry, but you got to at least try to run the ball. I mean, they, they, they've, in, in multiple games now, for multiple quarters, 
they have all but abandoned it. Yeah, and the, the, the first you, half is twenty one passes, ten runs. Yeah, and, and you just a true freshman quarterback. That's it, remarkable. And with Tennessee, and then and, and again, we talk about complementary football with Tennessee's depth concerns defensively, with Tennessee's inability to stop the run. One team. On, on the other side of the, you know, one team is allowing the clock to churn and getting their defense some rest while you're throwing the pill around 30 to 40 times every game. To me, that's just not, in, in a, in a one-game scenario, perhaps that's going to be a recipe for success. But I think for the rest of the season, it won't be. So they're going to have to find creative ways. Especially, you're not lining up an I for I mean, the, they lined up an I formation one time and the guy got tackled four yards behind the field. You know, I'm not saying do that. But you're going to... Where's some of that jet motion that he was running a lot at at Georgia? Where you know they're going to have to find creative ways just to get four and five yard runs to kind of keep the chains moving, uh, so that it's not on the shoulders of a freshman quarterback who few expected to play this season. And, and that's even more true, aside from the freshman quarterback, your depth concerns on defense. I mean, only highlight that issue to me. I don't think there's any doubt. That's why Tennessee's been outscored as bad as they have. I think he, Coach Brooks right. They've turned it over some in the second half, critical times that has, that has not helped them uh, with the point differential but, you know, between first half and second half. But they, they've, been, they've been handled in the second half this season, 71 to 26. Uh, they've been doubled up over the course of his career as a coach here in the second half. A lot of that's due to lack of depth. You've got to protect you know, you got to protect your football team and play that complementary football. I think it's interesting. I don't know how many people that Mississippi State suspended for the Auburn game. I don't know how many of those guys. Who none were, of those. None of their got. None of the. None of the notables played. The Willie Gays and those guys did not play. Which is probably why Auburn, with ease, got the corner. I would imagine because Auburn was up. I mean, they blitzed them early in terms of just attacks. Twenty-one points in the first quarter. And, and they routinely on jet sweeps and, and things like that in that yeah, Auburn offense. Yeah, Schwartz went 59 yards on that reverse, yeah, the first yeah, play. They yeah. got the corner whenever they wanted to, to get the corner. So I would not imagine Mississippi State's going to allow that to happen no, this I, week. No, and, and there's, you know, there's, there's some Tennessee fans, and I didn't write this in my review piece Sunday, but there's some Tennessee fans and even some media folks that are like, you know, where's Josh Palmer in this offense? You know, all the, all the spring buzz. And, he, you know, he, he's not even getting targeted some games. I think he got targeted once on Saturday. If he's as good of an athlete as, as some believe, f- put him in jet motion once or twice a game to kind of get him a touch. We saw him get a reverse touchdown a year ago, you know, on one of those plays. I just it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, what one would think is a typical just downhill running attack. They just have to at least commit to some sort of uh, creative way to kind of run the football. I don't think there's any any doubt about that. I mean, if you if you can't run it a little bit and you're going to put it on this guy's shoulders to throw it 40, 42 times, I mean, you're going to have a hard time beating anybody. You're right. I, I think ultimately, and, and nobody wants to do this right because everybody wants the the PlayStation method of let's chuck it deep and score touchdowns. But I, I think it, you may have to go two yard run, two yard run, and if you can figure figure out a way to convert two yard run, two yard, and and hope to finally chisel it away enough to bust one. Because I mean, like I do think you have to. You know, be committed to it because I mean, like you know, letting him throw it 28 times. You know, to me, that's a little on the high end. You know, for a guy, you know, who's still limited in a lot of ways. Well, but you got to you got to shorten the game to help your defense out. Um, is the bigger thing is back to complimentary football because this, when you look at this game, and again, we'll dive into the matchup. Rob will have it later in the week, but just initially looking at Mississippi State, two things that are kryptonite for Tennessee's defense. One. They got a running back who's really hard to bring to the ground. Hill leads the SEC in yards after contact. Which is not good for Tennessee because they lead the SEC in yards given up after contact defensively, I would imagine. And two, they got a mobile quarterback. 
which are which are two elements of kryptonite for this defense heading into this week, which further means you got to help your defense out as much as you can in terms of controlling the clock, shortening the game, and, and looking yeah, and some I, and of those opportunities. And I want to make this clear. That no one's advocating for, like, the offense that Tennessee had a year ago, which was run, run, pass. Right. It's not, it's, it, doesn't have <laughs> no. to be, it doesn't have to be a predictability But you can't deal. go too serious it's, without seeing a run either. Yeah, you can't go 11 of 13 plays where you're, <laughs> you're dropping back every single play. Now, Pruitt said, you know, Maurer maybe missed some RPO reads that he should have handed the ball off more. I understand that, but you still called an RPO. That was it. Was, you still put it on your freshman quarterback's shoulders to make that decision. At some point, you're going to have to just whether it's you know Eric Gray seems to be like he's kind of in the I wouldn't say in the doghouse, but Jeremy did kind of say you know he needs to practice a little bit better. Tim Jordan probably was their best running back on Saturday, both in terms of just getting some yards when he got hit, and also definitely in pass protection. Um, and, and so, will you continue to see him maybe over the other two guys? Uh, you know, that, that's a position and just a unit in general they need more from. Because, again, we, we, Georgia has a nice pass rush, and they got after it in the second half, and that's when Maurer started to get hit, you know, three or four sacks in the second half. It, it's a lot to also not only ask a freshman quarterback, but you're starting two freshman tackles. You know, eventually those guys are not going to be – they're not going to play clean football on every single snap. Yeah, but, for, Rob, for all the, quote, negativity some people will say as we break down this offense a little bit, as Jim Chaney gets a game plan ready this week, he does have he does have things to build off of essentially for the first time, which has to be encouraging for for yeah. for, for I mean, Tennessee. I don't obviously. think you can discount what Bauer got done at all. I mean, when you can, I mean, I think that's the best defense in the SEC. I mean, I mean, after what Florida did to Auburn this weekend, I mean, I think that makes that case even stronger. <laughs> Florida might be the second best team in the SEC, second best defense in the SEC. And I mean, I was, I mean, two hundred and fifty nine yards. I mean, it's, I mean. And 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 none of, almost none of that was a result of chucking it, playing catch up in the second half. It was you get you know two hundred and one yards at halftime, going out and, and doing what you practice all week long. Five plays, five pass plays of twenty or more yards. I mean, I I don't just I mean I think that was pretty big time. Yeah, what they a, got done with generating explosive plays. It's an offense that had as many yards in the first half against Georgia as they had for the entire game against Florida. That's growth. The question is, how much can it grow and, moving forward? And with the you know questions up front, I mean, you're shuffling offensive line again. I mean, how healthy are they? But I mean, I, I and and I'm not again. Mauer has plenty to improve on. But if I'm Jim Chaney, I'm feeling better this week than I have at any point in the season. Like at least, I think he feels probably like he's got some things to build on instead of like his main job on Monday being I've got a bunch of things to cover up that my quarterback can't do. Well, they also seem to find. I mean, in terms of optimism, you know, Callaway woke up. You know, he, 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 that was a perfect route. He also had a really big catch that Mauer made a nice, threw a, threw a nice strike on, but high, uh, you know, on that third and 10 in the first half um, to, to get, uh, it, was, it ended up being on, on the scoring drive that Jennings had the touchdown, converted, a, you know, a long third down there. Um, and then, you know, you continue to find 18 or uh, 15, excuse me. I mean, he's going to break some. I mean, it's going to take four guys to get him to the ground. You know, he had multiple big catches. That one-handed play, uh, it got kind of. It will get lost in the shuffle because it was kind of when Tennessee was trying to come back late in in, a, in what ultimately was a blowout. But that was a really nice catch. I mean, that, those are clearly 18 and 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 one are your best playmakers. And I think they're going to find, 
you know, Jim's going to find as many ways as he can to get those two guys the ball. 15's got to touch it a lot because he, I mean, he's playing the best football, and he is engaged as much as anybody right now. Speaking of— And DWA could not—one if uh, one thing, and I just kind of noted it very, very quickly in the review, but Tennessee, that, that whatever Georgia did against— or didn't do against Comet against Notre Dame. They did against DWA. Could not get open on Saturday, so they just and that's been an issue kind of the, for the tight as good as the tight ends have been in the in the pass blocking and run blocking game. They have not become a factor at all in the passing game this season. Which is really interesting because in the preseason, in the summertime, Cheney really believed that that DWA was going to be a huge playmaker for them, and he's just not been to. This I think it's point. five catches for ninety yards on the season. Uh, yeah, it, it, they've had a hard time getting him the football. Um, what did you make of Jeremy Pruitt's comments about the sideline squirmish? <laughs> First off, I'm not sure how accurate they were in saying it was between two players and Will Friend wasn't involved. But secondly, I mean, I'm not surprised that he wasn't perturbed by it. I mean, I think, you know, he comes from a program where the, the, the head coach was not shy about, you know, climbing in somebody's kitchen on the sidelines and on national TV. So I, I think he's completely comfortable with there being some – not a big disagreements. deal. Not a big deal. No, I don't think it's a big deal. People no, I mean, look, go back to the '90s, man. I mean, how many times did you see a, a practice fight? So what happened on the on the sideline at a game? I mean, it's all the same. I mean, a, a disagreement between two players is as long as there's been a football game. So I mean, like, I, I have no issue with it at all. And I, again, I don't think you should be advocating for your guys to go head to head. But when there's a, when there's a little passion and and you've not seen much in a program, and you know, we've all talked about that. Some of these guys are just too content with, you know, the current circumstances. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't, I don't blame him for feeling that way. I mean, you go back. I mean, the last really, you go back to the last two games. You're talking about the two plays where, you know, they got uh, they had the K Ron hit at Florida, um, and then of course, you know, Saturday night with Wanye and, and Trey, he was happy with both those situations because they were playing to the whistle and 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 you know, playing a little nasty, and then the sideline skirmish, whatever. Yeah, I don't think it's a big deal either. I just thought it was – I thought his take was, was kind of enjoyable uh, and, and entertaining when, when he said, you know, how he said it. Last thing about football before we jump into recruiting uh, and kind of recap the weekend a little bit. I, I'm letting Ty Chandler – if the ball's not in the end zone, uh, unless the guy's got phenomenal hang time, I'm going to let him return you, you a asked the, You asked the question, and if you didn't, I was going to ask. Because AP and I talked about it during the game. I wrote about it in the review piece. It hadn't just been Saturday. He had two chances catching the ball at the five-yard line. One of them you, you could argue that when Jeremy talked about caught it in the corner, the hang time, whatever, the one right before half just seems inexplicable to me. There's nine seconds. You're probably not going to do, you know, it's going to be hard for you to really make a play or whatever. There's not much to lose by taking it out there, and he didn't do it. And so Jeremy, you know, has the stats that say if, if you kneel it every time, you're probably going to end up better. But – for a team that is at times lacking some, you know, explosive plays or, or needs some dynamic uh, stuff out there, I, I, I would return them a time or two. I think the analytics on that are just too many meetings. I just think that's overthinking it at times. Look, I'm not saying that Ty Chandler's Evan Berry or Cordero Patterson or Willie Galt returning kicks, but you're you're looking to try to get cheap yards somewhere. Take a chance. It, it's it's. It, you had a chance at Florida. I thought it was a tone setter at Florida when you fair caught a ball that was returnable, and you knew you were going to have a hard dry, time driving the length of the football field down there. You had the opportunity, as you mentioned, right before the half that, that made no sense. 
Callaway lets the ball bounce in front of him on punt returns. He gives up 15 to 20 yards at least a game on punt returns by not coming up and fielding the ball. Uh, to, to me, they're, they're giving away yards in, in the kicking game, in the return game. The kickers have been good. They didn't have their best night, obviously, against Georgia. They've been good. Return coverage has been solid. Brooks has been great kicking the ball off. They're getting nothing out of the return game because they're – their desire to get anything out of the return game has been very lackluster through five games this season. Uh, I, I think Tennessee's got to find a way to steal some yards there, but to do that, you're going to have to take a chance. Um, doesn't sound like maybe anybody's interested in taking a chance. We'll, we'll see what happens with that. Let's jump to recruiting. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, last thing, uh, you know, do, do, do we want to talk about what, you know, Pruitt totally poo-pooed the fact that they may move somebody to inside linebacker. Do y'all think that's just coach speak or? He didn't sound concerned about the fact that Henry T. And Batuli, Batuli yeah, I was every surprised. Snap. I was surprised. I mean, like they played almost every snap against Georgia, but Henry T. did play every snap. Batuli came off for a couple times. I just don't uh, think he's got anybody he can. I don't think he feels like he's got anybody he can move there. Crouch is starting opposite of Taylor. To me, though, you you rep Crouch there a little bit just in an emergency type situation. Do you not? See, I think it's less about – I don't think it's an emergency deal. I think you better find you, – you need to find a three or four guy. The last couple of weeks, I mean, they've been you – know, Okay, you're not fine. You rep him there so you can eventually – you can slide him over every now and again when you need to give those guys a break, and then you bring in another outside backer. The, 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 I agree with – I think Crouch long-term is a better fit in the inside. Than, than, we talked about this yeah. going to the parking garage after the game. He's not getting home as a rusher, that's I think sure. he struggles in space. I think he struggles in space and open field tackling. I think he's much better between, you know, in the box. I think he's, he's more of an in-the-box player right now. Could he grow into something? I don't know. But I think he would be more productive being an in-the-box linebacker right now. The problem that you have is if you move him there, who are you going to play it outside? They clearly have no belief in DeAndre Johnson. Yeah, he played 10 snaps, and Bennett only played eight. And Roman know. Harrison didn't get on the field. And Roman Harrison didn't get on the field. So if Roman Harrison's not a factor for you at outside linebacker, maybe he goes inside. Could you play him inside instead of Crouch? Yeah, if he's wanting to get on the field. Yeah, if, if, if outside is too, is too much for him in terms of, you know, you know, reading things and pass rush responsibilities. Because I contend the inside. I don't, know. I, I don't know, though. I mean, he's the guy that couldn't line up right. Tw- I mean, part of the reason he's not playing is because one would think the responsibilities lining up inside in terms of finding out where, you, where the, t- you know, coverage and that kind of stuff. I know you're saying run downhill, see ball. You know, maybe on early downs you could do that. But, I mean, this is what Roman literally lined up on the wrong side of the field one time. I mean, and if nothing else. This, this you've got to still snap somehow. I agree. I agree. That's why. Is it going to be J.J. Say, Peterson it, or somebody I, else? I, I, that's who I was going to – I mean, if nothing else, this, these last two ball games kind of just tell you what a myth J.J. Peterson is. I mean, I, if, he, if he can't play right now, I mean, how, what's it going to take? I mean, I think, again, you've got to get him on – got to get somebody on the field on an obvious run situation to see ball, hit ball, if you want to, to, to help yourself out. Early downs – you know, or whatever you, you think you can be, you got to you got to you got to steal some snaps somewhere because Batuli's knee is clearly not 100. percent Can you play to the next open date with those guys playing that volume of snaps? I mean, Henry T is probably going to hit a freshman wall at some point because he's getting ready to move into you know high school. You're getting ready for the playoffs. Tennessee's well, I, getting ready for the second half of the season. Well, I mean, he, I mean, and I think the I think I'm very high on Henry T's potential. On, upon rewatch, he really struggled on Saturday. 
I mean, he, he made two nice plays on that third and fourth down when he shot the gap. But other than that, he got picked on a couple times in coverage, and he got he was part of the group that just yards after contact. You know, it, I, you wouldn't quote it as a quote-unquote missed tackle, but he was getting dragged forward instead of, you know, pushing the pile backwards. And that's a concern coming out of an open date where you should be as fresh, not just for him, but for the right. entire defense where you should be fresher, that you were dra- getting drugged on tackles instead of you knocking people back. That, that's, I was surprised that Pruitt didn't even act like they were going to move somebody there. We'll keep an eye on that on the practice field for sure. All right, let, let's jump to recruiting. The Memphis, you got Memphis in all weekend. You got the three kids from Whitehaven in. Uh, Big O was in town, and then obviously um, you, you had a couple of other notables. Reggie Grime was in town on his official visit as well. Uh, let's start with the, the, the three from Whitehaven, Austin. Where, where's Tennessee? What's the vibe with that? Well, I think Tennessee's in a really good spot for all three. I don't think any of them are going <clears> to <throat> – I don't think French or McDonald are going to decommit and then, you know, flip to Tennessee. Like, I don't think this is going to be a, you know, all three of them are in the boat in the next week and a half, you know, type thing. At least that's, that's the vibe I got. Now, maybe they go home, they talk it over as a group, or maybe they go home and just say, hey, I'm, gonna do, I'm doing this, you guys don't have to, but I'm going to go ahead and flip, or I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell everybody I'm solid in Mississippi State, whatever. I, you know, I don't think that they exited here with a clear-cut plan of you know, flipping, not flipping, um, but I do know that the families um, really, you know, especially the moms, uh, were really, uh, really happy with everything they learned at Tennessee. I know in talking to some folks, uh, Bryson Easton's mom was very comfortable with everything she saw. Which was big. That was huge to get her here, uh, her to take off work, uh, which is extremely hard on the weekends for her um, with her job. And so, you know, I'm not sure she takes another trip, you know, which, I mean, that, to me that hurts that school's chances of landing Bryson. Um, but, you know, Tennessee likes all three. They want all three, um, you know, and, and we'll be interested to see how this thing uh, plays out the next couple of weeks. Do you think you got, they got to get back up here for an unofficial? I'm sure Tennessee's going to try. Think, Do you think I, they're going to try. I, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that's a necessity. The best thing they got going for them is the fact that Whitehaven's going to be playing until the fourth round. I mean, they're, they're, Whitehaven will not lose until the fourth round if they lose in the fourth round. So they're going to be playing late into November. So, you know, their their chances of, you know, getting a lot of places go way down, you know, just based off the fact even if they do take a trip, it's going to be an abbreviated trip. Sure, sure. Whereas yeah. Tennessee got them for, here at lunchtime all day Friday, Friday, all day Friday, all day Saturday, leaving you know, at lunchtime. Think about how much Friday. one-on-one time they got with those three kids before all the other recruits arrived. Yeah, big on yeah, Friday. That, yeah, oh, yeah, man. That's, I mean, like – Unofficials aren't coming until Saturday, and like Grimes played Friday night. So I mean, it was really just all attention on those guys all day Friday. And I which think that's goes why a long ten- way. that's why Tennessee elected to bring it. We talked about you know they shooting their shot early, but because of the way the calendar fell for them, it's why it made the most sense to bring them in on officials. Well, yeah, and you, to bring them all three at one time, you couldn't pass up the quality time you get with them. I mean, like you know, we always talk about you know, like I was talking to some people about Chris Morris and. They're like, are you surprised he didn't come up this weekend with everybody else? And I said, not really, because I was like, you know, if you're Tennessee, I mean, I wouldn't. It, you got to, you know, kind of divide and conquer. If he comes up, let's say the South Carolina game, you're not going to have near the amount of people that were here for the Georgia game. So, uh, if Tennessee, obviously Tennessee's going to work try to avoid him committing this weekend at A and M, and then try to get him up here for South Carolina in a couple of weeks. All right, Justin, let's talk about Big O. You had a chance to catch up with him. That when they got him here unofficially, going to get him back officially at, at, in the for near South future Carolina. here. 
What, what, is, what are you thought, your thought process on where Tennessee is with him right now? I think kind of similar to Bryson Eason's family. Uh, his family, his parents felt very comfortable. They have actually been up here several times before with Amari. Um, Amari, I think, is, is very uh, um, careful with his words. Uh, but just kind of having talked to him before, he, he clearly, you know, he, the, the buzzword for him was progress, you know, d- despite the final score. Um, he kind of saw the improvement. He, you know, Tennessee is certainly selling all those guys were defensive guys, notably, in that how much they just need help on that side of the ball, uh, particularly, you know, up front in that front seven. The, the interesting thing is him coming back so soon, I think. Uh, the fact that they did make such an impression that, I think originally he was going to maybe come right AP thinking about early December, but now there's kind of a, an interest to, to go ahead and get back up here and, and kind of see it again and make it official. Now, he, he does have several other ones kind of scheduled. I mean, he's got a, he's got a busy couple, uh, you know, six, eight weeks coming up. He's going to be at A&M this weekend um, with Chris Morris and some other guys. He's going to be at uh, Alabama LSU in a couple weeks and then his other officials, the Iron Bowl. So he's going to see some big games. Um, but I think Tennessee feels like they're in a pretty good spot with Big O right now. I think they're in a great spot with him. Uh, the mom really comfortable with Jeremy Pruitt. Likes Jeremy Pruitt a lot. Pruitt's kind of taken this one on himself with the family. And, uh, you know, I, I think for, for O, you know, he, I think he just likes being around the people up here, which is why I think he does want to come back so soon. And he was the last one in the stadium on, on Saturday night, uh, left a little past midnight. So, um I do think that Tennessee's positioned themselves well there. I'm interested to talk to some people. You know, I talked to them early this week yet. Uh, hopefully we'll have an update on Friday or for the Friday podcast for the War Room uh, to just kind of find out, you know, how Tyler Barron's visit to Columbus went. You know, I'm not talking to anybody early in the week to kind of gauge and see where, where Ohio State is there. Yeah, that one's one to keep an eye on for sure as Tennessee's trying to get, get that done sometime this month is the thought process with Barron, but Ohio State is the competitor that, that Tennessee's having to deal with there. Uh, give, me a, give me a Grimes update before we get a, a little hoops update here. On, you know, on I mean, he, he kind of playing the, the coy card. I mean, he still wants to act like Alabama's a factor. Alabama's not a factor. He's not a take it Alabama. Um, South Carolina, he downplays them just because everybody's got to pin him in there of late. Um, says he doesn't have a leader. Tennessee's a viable option is what he said. I'm um, going to take uh, – also, you know, likes Ole Miss, likes um, uh, Florida State. Um, I, you know, he's a guy – I'm just not so sure. I mean, I know he came in for an official visit this weekend, but to me I'm not so sure that he's real high on Tennessee's board. Now, that's me speculating a little bit. But just reading the tea leaves and talking to a few people, it just seems like – well, it just goes you know, back to what we've talked about. There's, there's, there's a clear disagreement between certain folks at Tennessee about where Reggie sits on the board. Yeah, I mean, and like, where, and where he plays. And where he plays. But some, some, some want to stand up the table and stand on the table and bang for him, and others want to stand on the table and say no. And so it's, it's, it's an I, interesting thing. I, and, and the people that, you know, I think the people that want to say no are under the agreement of, you know, yeah, aesthetically it might look good to take Reggie Grimes with his, you know, at ranking, but. You know, if we don't feel like he can really help us, that that's not going to help us on the field. So, I mean, you know, if you, to me, like aesthetically, it looks good if you land four four star Baron, four star Hardy, four star 
the trio from Whitehaven are all four stars. Chris Morris, Big O, that's seven four stars right there. Take Grimes out of the equation. He's on his own island over here. That's seven four stars in this state. And then hold on to what you have, you know. But again, it's but, recruiting. But, be, there's, there are three or four names out there right now, Brent, that Tennessee's not even offered yet. Yeah, They'll end but, up in this but class. But to, 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 to talk about the guys who are standing on the table fighting for him, he, he is big and can run. Yeah, I mean, that, I'm, and, of the, I'm of the opinion he can't. And Tennessee doesn't have I'm, enough yeah, big and can and run. That, and that is where I land in the camp. The way this roster is right now, I, I find it interesting that Tennessee is kind of parsing it as much, especially with some of the guys they have in this class. I mean, there's only so many guys in this country in this 2020 class, you know, that have Reggie, Reggie Grimes as pure measurables. Can, can you, whoever gets him on, whoever gets him, whether it's South Carolina, Ole Miss, Tennessee, whoever, can they develop him into a football player? Right now, that seems to be the question. Can he be developed into a football player? But there's not many guys that are 6'4", 6'5", 245 pounds and are running 4'5'9". Well, I was talking to somebody this week, um, and, and you know, they, they're a coach, and not a coach at Tennessee, but a coach elsewhere. And, you know, they, they, they describe Reggie Grimes as a model. You know, I mean, he looks perfect, you know, but when you watch him play, the aggressiveness is lacking. Um, you know the strength is lacking so i mean like yeah i mean to me you've got to find a way can you got to take a you, know, you either have to kind of be bullish and i'm going to get that out of him or to me you just you do go in another direction i do find it odd that you know he's not a take at alabama where else is he a take at i mean I, as you start looking around i mean you know maybe he would be a take at florida state he mentioned oklahoma to me but i would be shocked if oklahoma took reggie grimes um to me he, to me he's kind of the enigma in this class because you just you don't know, you know, where everything stands with everybody else. Yeah, everybody's everybody's has the same questions Tennessee has. Looks pretty, you know, when, and everything, but what can you get out of him as a football player? Measurables versus production is always a, a debate, I think, when you talk about recruiting. Tennessee putting their best recruiting efforts forward on the Twitter world on Sunday. That was pretty obvious with all the tweets that was out there that was, um, you know, to try to generate some publicity and some positivity about kind of the direction things are going. That's why you saw so many tweets from – um, current players and, and obviously as well as recruits and everything else out there. I'm not saying it was completely orchestrated, but I think those guys all trying to create a little positive vibe coming out of this Georgia game with, with the recruiting stuff and, and what lies ahead for this team. Let's jump to hoops right quick. Jaden Springer, some people thought maybe this thing gets done on Sunday. Rob, I don't think either one of us ever thought it was going to be done on Sunday publicly, but Tennessee uh, appears in, in a great spot with him. You had a chance to visit with him as he left town. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I, I would have been a little surprised if he would have popped just, you know, before he even got home from his visit, which, I mean, that's pretty rare. But I, I won't be remotely surprised if we hear something, you know, in the next week. I mean, he's done with official visits. I don't know, you know, every coach that's of the three schools, Michigan, Memphis, Tennessee, that he officially visited has done, done a home visit or, in his case, a school visit since he goes to IMG. And uh, I just don't think there's a lot left for him to think about. I, I felt really good about Tennessee's chances before the visit. Uh, nothing that I've heard in the 24 hours since since he left makes me feel any differently. I mean, I think Tennessee. I think this one's Tennessee's to lose, and you know, just you, you never say never. But I mean, I, I think right now he ends up in Tennessee signing class, and you know, if that's the case, he'll be the highest rated kid that Rick Barnes has signed, and you know, in his time here, and give Tennessee, you know, arguably one of their best classes. Ever and I don't think Tennessee will be done either. I mean, on paper, they'll if they get Springer, they'll be full. But uh, I, <laughs> they ain't gonna turn away PJ Hall. No, they're not gonna turn away PJ Hall. And even and even if they don't get PJ Hall, I think they'll still. My bot. What I'm saying is they're gonna oversign in this class. I think Rick is. 
is tired of every spring he ends up with an extra scholarship because of departures. I mean, and that's just the way it is. I mean, and I think that's smart. I mean, I think you see a lot of coaches doing that. That uh, I mean, they're just going to protect themselves. I mean, and I'm not speculating that he's going to run somebody off. I mean, I think I mean kids have run themselves off every year since he's been here, and not just at Tennessee. I mean, all over the country, it just happens. So I mean, even if you carry that scholarship over to spring, I mean, I think Tennessee will be recruiting like they plan to use it. And it would be a big man. Yes, it if it's not PJ Hall, look for Dylan Cardwell to to be a focus. He's a, he's a kid of Oak Hill Academy. He officially visited last year as a junior. He's a fringe top 100 player, and the fact that you know Tennessee is looking at a four-star center who's just sitting right on the cusp of the top 100 as a plan B tells you all you need to know about their how they're recruiting right now. Yeah, I mean. Uh, it's it's amazing what they've gotten to and where they're at. And was, was, PJ Hall will be in this weekend. Yeah, sir, so that's official this weekend, right? This weekend, and and that's going to be big. I'm talking with some people who are really close to that situation. A lot of people worry about Florida. I don't think Florida's in it. The sister plays volleyball there. He visited Florida a couple of weeks ago. Did not commit. I think this one's coming down to Tennessee and Clemson. And um, you know, Clemson's very close to home. He lives right outside Spartanburg. So, I mean, I think they're going to be a factor. There's the pull of the ACC, but, I, I, you know, his dad's from Kingsport, a lot of ties to, to this area. So, I mean, I, I think Tennessee's got a real good chance there. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't feel as strong about P.J. Hall as I do about Springer, but I, I think Tennessee is absolutely in that one. you got to feel, you got to feel like if Florida's fading in that one or is out in that one, it's trending. It, it, that's a positive trend towards Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, if you want to win, I mean, if you go to Clemson, you're ever going to beat – North Carolina, Duke, and, and now Virginia. I mean, you're, you're never going to be, you know, one of the top three programs in that in that conference ever. Yeah, I mean, whereas here at Tennessee, I mean, you, Rick's shown that you, you sure can be. All right, as we wrap it out the door, your, your thoughts on Candace's debacle with with, with Snoop Dogg <laughs> and Jeff Long. And, <laughs> just, I mean, just so tone I, I deaf, mean, man. I mean, I mean, seriously, and I know that's not Tennessee, but that, that was such a story. And you see, you're continuing to see pictures coming out. And everything that you see out there, I mean, I thought it was fantastic. I thought, I thought, I mean, how? No, I'm just, I'm, but how do, how do you, him being the, the Jeff Long and the rest of the athletic department being confused, of what they were getting from Snoop Dogg when they were setting up stripper poles five hours earlier? What do you think those poles well, were going to be used? You also for? had, you also had Bill Self with the gold chain, yeah, and that, the, and the that little commercial, where, and yeah. wearing a, a, an Adidas shirt. Yeah, when the whole which reason clear, you're getting ready, which was that was clearly just a, a big fu middle finger to the NCAA. No, I mean just, I, I mean I'm, I'm stunned. I mean Bill Self has gone in, in the span of a year, and it's hit overdrive in the past two weeks with that commercial and Snoop Dogg. I mean, he's gone from being one of the most respected guys in college basketball to being Jerry Tarkanian of the Midwest. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's remarkable. I mean, the fact that they did the that with, chew on. The, the fact they did that with Snoop Dogg this weekend and, and promoted it the way they did with, you know, self, you know, wearing the gold chains and, and the Adidas logo. I mean, just, I mean, like Jesse said, I mean, that's just a big middle finger to the NCAA. I mean, you, you almost felt like Jeff Long was like doing some kind of work in Antarctica or something, you know, on a scientific experiment. He had no internet and access. I mean, like, he acts like he had, he was stunned that this happened. He gives this long statement afterwards. I mean, it's the most, I mean, and Jeff Long's a respected guy. He's been on committees. He was on playoff committees and all this other stuff. And, and now his program is just telling the NCAA, do whatever you want to do to us. I mean, and I've we're, been. Because we're going to do what we And do. I've been to Kansas. When Tennessee played out there, whatever year it was, 2007, I do not find Snoop Dogg to really be, uh, you know, hitting the sweet spot for that for that fan base. <laughs> I don't know that that was that that showed a real recognition of what of what your people that are, that are paying money and, don- and donating money 
to your program or, or, or after in their with their entertainment dollars. So Tennessee spends Friday night with Fulkerson taking pictures with babies, and Kansas has got girls on a stripper pole in their midnight. With a money gun, baby. Grandpa <laughs> Phil, gun. Grandpa Phil Fulmer sitting down and talking to the official visitors on the side, you know, on the bench, and and yeah, then you've got stripper poles and Snoop Dogg in, in Lawrence, Kansas. Suddenly, retirement Rick's not a bad looking dude for, no. for, for in the college basketball world. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com podcast. For Rob Lewis, Jesse Simonton, and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great day, everybody.